Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the Hollowdale Media Podcast. Yes, we're here. I don't know why I can't cross with that. You look like you were going to say something much better. I was going to say, the last of the non-horror-dale medias. The last of the non-horror-dale medias. For a bit, anyway. Yeah. Uh, wake me up when September ends, because in October, it's spooky time. Is that what that song means? It's all about uh, Green Day's waiting for Halloween, because I love it so much. Is it? No. Oh, okay. It should be. That's always about my girlfriend doesn't like me. I think it's about his dad dying. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's more, that's slightly more serious. Yeah, that's yeah, it's about his dead dad, <laughs> um, Billy Joe. How are you feeling today? I'm tired. I'm freaking knackered. I've got the energy for a night shift. I want to curse and swear <laughs> and moan, but we can't because this is the real, po- the, the proper, the every everybody podcast. Yes, yes, indeed. We're in the middle of all of the overtime ever. So, Rob is referring, of course, to the night shift. Fact checker. Fact checker. Fact checker. Rob, of course, is referring to the night shift, the Patreon exclusive podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Holodale Media. Well, very good. You've reeled that off. <laughs> <laughs> to subscribe. Yes, um, indeed. But what is this? What is this podcast? This podcast is a podcast where we talk about a film and talk about film news and do other stuff, which is film or TV orientated. Mm-hmm. We do reviews. Uh, I've got two reviews coming this week and Nick is coming back with another game review. Yeah, he certainly is. Not to mention the fact that this week we are uh, we are reviewing one of the most critically acclaimed films of all time. Mm-hmm. It's on every single top 50 list you could ever find. I'm talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Rob's word last time was one. Yep. And he chose a pretty good one. Yeah, I figured, like, uh, you you said, you know, we could go the Matrix route. And I, I, I had, I typed to you saying, let's go with Matrix. And just as I was about to click send... I thought of one flew over the cookies nest, and I was like, "Hell no, Matrix! No, yeah. no one wants to hear another Matrix review." Let's go and listen about one flew over the cookies nest. A very timely choice as well, as we will talk about a bit later on in the show. There is some more one flew over the cookies nest stuff going on. Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yes. Uh, well, I mean, we've, well, 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 before we get into it, all, uh, we've been watching The Boys. The Boys. Uh, it's worth talking about The Boys. Uh, season two's kicked off as we're talking. Uh, four episodes come out. Yep. Um, how do you think it compares to season one? <laughs> I mean, it's good. It doesn't have the energy of season one. It feels a bit more muddled. I feel. Like, I felt like I knew where I was going with season one. Season two. Um, I mean, it's clear what's going on. But, yeah, but they're all separated because you've got Butcher's thing with his wife, then you've got uh, Homelanders going on, and then the other guys like Hugh, Dave, etc. They've yeah. got their mission. It does. Feel, it feels more fragmented. But is that that's kind of that's a common thing, isn't it? Because you you shatter everyone at the end of a season and you wait for them all to come back. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's taken four episodes and they still haven't quite done that yet. No, that's true. Well, they sort of did and then they didn't again. What I'm absolutely loving um, is the Deep. His arc is the most interesting out of every character, I'd say. He's got a quite a sad story going on. Yeah. The Deep is the boy. So the boy is just to very quickly summarise, is a kind of made-up DC-ish universe where the superheroes are all gits. Yes. Basically. And they're all run by corporations and stuff. And the boys refers to the sort of resistance movement going on underground, the sort of guerrilla fighters. They're all somehow linked to tragedies that have happened as a result of Mm. superheroes just not caring about civilians. Yes, and the Deep is the boy's equivalent of Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, And he's... uh, Yeah, he's a very sad backstory. Despite the fact he's very quickly established in like the first episode of season one of being like a sex pest pervert, um... He goes through, he gets gill raped in yeah. the first series. Yeah, and that's then he pretty goes, grim. He goes through all this stuff, and then you kind of like, because um, he's such a train wreck, regardless of where you stand on if you forgive him or not for what he did in the first series, he's still it's very fascinating to watch what's been done to him. Because he's taken out of the seven, he's all on his own, and you just, well, yeah, I just wonder where it's going. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that. I mean, it's hard not spoiling things 
but there is some question marks over Black Noir, who's my favourite oh, sort yeah. of weird character that's just in the background. Um, and there might be some cool things going on with that. I'm only saying that off the vague knowledge I have of the comic. Yes. So nothing's been established yet. But yeah, I reckon there's going to be a few twists and turns coming up. Yeah, no, I hope so. I hope so. Either way, I'm still like, I'm not, I don't want to slag it off at all. Cause, um, no, no, no. It's, it's still really good. It's still really enjoyable. Still, every time an episode comes out, I'm on it straight away. So yeah. At this point, is it better than Preacher? Yeah. Was Preacher that was the show they did before? Preacher, Preacher, there were times it lost me. Um, and I was like, come on. Preacher had a really bad habit. And maybe this is what's going on with the boys as well. Preacher had a really bad habit of uh, taking ages to get anywhere. Yeah. And then it all very quickly piles. But it did it every season. Yeah. Although, like, obviously, um, Cassidy, Tulip and Preacher Guy himself, they're all really cool. Jesse Custer. Jesse Custer, yeah. Like, I I love them as characters. And, of course, what's his face? Bald, evil guy. Hair Star. Hair Star, yeah. Yes. Hair Star is a firm favourite from the comic as well. He's he's a wonderful character. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think Preacher's a bit weird the comic's weird as well mm. it's just kind of like Jesse's a bit of a git himself and he's, he's, he's got a bit more character in the series these are like just a little point about Preacher and the boys like Seth Rogen's they're both kind of Seth Rogen's he's co-produced with other people haven't they they're both the same team with Seth Rogen involved yes they're both really kinky aren't they like they've got Homelander with that's his, in the comic yeah, well, no, yeah. yeah Homelander's got his milk fetish and then there's like the god is like in a dog gimp suit yeah. 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 So both were written by Garth Ennis, who is not my favourite writer, right. comic writer. He started on 2000 AD, as a lot of British comics do, comic writers do. Uh, and he sort of very quickly hated everything, got in a bit of a suck about it all. He didn't like Judge Dredd, he, hate, he was always boring as a character, and, but then sort of kept writing for it, right. which is weird. Um, Preacher, there was a whole thing in the comic where it was just him showing off that he loved New York Okay, it was really boring, it was like what What are you talking about? but his main consistent things are sex and alcohol Uh, our neighbour said an interesting thing he says he didn't like the boys and one of the reasons he says he doesn't like it is he doesn't think the baddies are bad enough (laughs) now, with Homelander as an exception, the rest of them yeah, that's a fair point, well Maeve uh, is like constantly a wet rag, and then and I, I assume she's gonna get some fight back. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Thunder Cow. What's her name? Um. For Stormfront. Stormfront. She, oh, yo, she's got something going on. She's pure. Or well, whatever. I won't. I won't spoil it. But yeah, the other the other villains. So you've got you have the Invisible Man guy who's just a pervert. Translucent. Translucent. Yeah. Um. Uh, the Deep, as we mentioned, bit of a sex fest, but also really traumatised yeah uh, Black Noir we know nothing about was it really yeah oh A-Train of course but he does something accidental yeah but he's a douche he, yeah the I mean that's he, the thing he's, he laughs about the people that he's accidentally killed yes to the point that he's just referring to them as insects yeah that's true That's they all have god complexes yeah right let's get on with the show yes Adam's Film Reviews. We got a monkey's paw, 2018. Is that a monkey's paw? Yeah, but be careful. I know what a monkey's paw is. Three wishes, always a catch. I wish... Got a monkey's paw! I'm making a bit of a breakaway from the norm this week, and I'm doing something I should probably do a lot more. Reviewing a short, independent film. You know, like what we make. Written by Zach Ogle, who also shares the screen as one of the main characters, Zach. And co-written and directed by Aaron Pagniano, We Got a Monkey's Paw was shot over the course of several months for next to no money. And frankly, it looks amazing. The film introduces us to the aforementioned Zach and Jackie, played by Jacqueline Jandrell, whose eyes reach into your very soul. 
see Zack and Jackie share an apartment together and despite having some good times behind them, Jackie is looking to move out. Not because she doesn't like Zack, you understand, but more that she is absolutely sick to death of Zack's antics and overbearing flair for the occult. Whether it's a haunted painting on the wall, a mirror that always shows a terrifying crying bride, or a magic wish-granting monkey's paw. Wait, monkey's paw? Now this catches Jackie's attention. If you're not familiar, the monkey's paw is a cursed item originally found in the 1902 works of W.W. W. Jacobs, and has found its way onto screen in one way or another so many times. I feel like most people would recognise the concept from The Simpsons, wherein someone holding the monkey's paw will make a wish, only for it to come true with dire consequences. Despite lampshading this trope, Zack and Jackie quickly fall afoul of the curse, causing a wave of bad luck that sees the dead rise from the grave, tentacle monsters emerge from the ground, and hell, even a spot of time travel. We Got a Monkey's Paw is packed with energy, sharp jokes, and wonderful visual humour. Some details like the of characters moving and running around appeal to me hugely, and references to cursed items in real life as well as in classic horrors, had me laughing so hard that I dragged my housemate Josh in to see it for himself. I cannot fault anything in this short. Energetic performances and sharp editing easily cover any limit in budget or somewhat overzealous sound mix in some ADR sequences. In case you can't tell, I really loved We Got a Monkey's Paw. Now, this was released widely online on the 18th of September, so if you can find it, I urge you to track it down. I was laughing virtually the whole way through, and despite it feeling a little bit like an incredibly well-made YouTube video in the vein of Tom Scar, this is a short film everyone can enjoy. That is why you don't mess with monkey's paws. Welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night. A backlash to the documentary Cuties has led to Netflix cancellations spiking in the US, according to an analytics firm. This is from Screen Rant. Uh, the controversy surrounding the sexualization of young girls in Netflix's Cuties has led to a noticeable bump in subscription cancellations. Do you know anything about Cuties, Adam? Yeah, I've heard... I mean, I know... I haven't looked into it deeply, but I've heard bits and pieces. I've heard it's grim. It is... Uh, yeah, I, I haven't watched it. Um, it'd be weird if either of us had, I think. But um, So for anyone unaware, Cuties is a Netflix documentary that no one should be watching, <laughs> I don't think. Um, but that's that's arguable. I think apparently it does have some good messages. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's about kids' pageants in France. Right. Um, it follows Amy, an 11-year-old Senegalese girl living with her mum in Paris. In response to the suffering of her mum, who adheres strictly to customs at great personal expense, Amy joins her rebellious neighbour's dance troupe. Is this actually all the real... F- this sounds like a plot. I was going to say, I don't know what it is. Is it a documentary or is it I thought it, I thought it was a documentary. I don't know. Maybe I'm lying when I say documentary. But yeah, I don't know. They quickly adopt very adult costumes and routines and become embroiled in shock sexuality via their efforts to either rebel or fit in, depending on the situation. So... <laughs> where is it? It's a French coming-of-age comedy drama. Oh, is it? Oh, God. I need to research this even more. Um, yes, because I was going to say, the if, if it's grim and a documentary, then it's fair game. Yeah. And I wouldn't understand the shock if it was a documentary, because it's showing the world as it exists. Okay, so it's, so it's yeah, why make it? It was really weird. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, analytics firm Yipit Data have told Variety this week that September 9th and 12th, the weekend Cuties was released on Netflix. Subscriptions dropped significantly. Uh, cancellations exploded by eight times the daily rate in August of August, a several year high. Um, yeah, so like, I don't know why you don't have to make this film. It's funny enough, there's a, web, a Wikipedia page called Criticism of Netflix and Cuties has its very own tab. All right, I'm not surprised. The only other show that has its own tab is 13 Reasons Why, which was uh, quite heavy on the suicide content. Yeah, and, and I think people sort of blamed it for a few suicides as well. Mm. Um, people have said good things about cuties, though. People have said it teaches valuable lessons about the power and danger of internet culture and social media. But you don't need to put kids doing sex stuff in um, 
in a movie, I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the criticisms I've just read is it will whet the appetite of paedophiles and help fuel the child sex trafficking industry. Wow, that's quite the criticism. That's a heavy criticism. Yes. I, but, oh, yeah. But if this world exists, as it and it does, this yeah. horrible world, and there have been documentaries about it. Did Louis Farouk do one? Uh, he's done plenty about. Tra- he's done one about trafficking. I'm not sure about child trafficking. No, I'm just, I'm just thinking about like beauty pageants for children. I've definitely. Oh yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure he did. I've seen clips of like girls in makeup, and it's grim. It's weird. It's because it goes. It, they they kind of almost well. They do sexualize it in America as well. They're kind of going towards oh, big, that big route time. more and more. And I just think, why would you put your kid in front of that crowd and make them do those things? And also, if you see a male judge whose job it is as a professional to judge kids dressed sexually, what, I mean, what as a man, what what path would you have had to have gone to find that like? Uh, appealing without being a massive pedo. I mean... Am I being too judgmental there? It's hard to say without knowing what it is they're judging. Because yeah. might, they might be fashion designers, in which case they're looking at the clothes. Yeah. They might be choreographers and they're judging the dancing. Yeah. It's not just a man in a Mac going, I'm, I'm, Oh, she's fit! <laughs> I think I'm looking at it through very, like, uh, one... Minded I'm not. I'm not saying it's good. Like yeah, it's I'm, still weird. I've been very narrow-minded in my approach to how I imagine all this goes on. There was a Channel just... Four show before our time, but I know of it because it was talked about in various stuff. Where they got kids to reenact songs, like lip sync. No, not even lip sync to sing songs and recreate the videos. And they were a bit. That was probably the closest we got in this country, because it would be stuff like. Nah, not, not for me, not for me. Um, don't care for it, I'm going to watch it. Um, hope it helps people if it does, but yeah. Wonder Woman's delay will damage the cinema industry even more, Screen Run again reports. Industry analysts say the decision to push Wonder Woman 1984 to Christmas will cause even more harm to the cinema business in 2020. Warner Brothers' upcoming superhero sequel initially set to make its bow in US theatres over the summer was first delayed to October the 4th. Um, that meant a significant full uh, re- uh, autumn release for cinema chains following the release of Tenet in early September and the new Mutants a week before. However, that all changed with the announcement last week that the blockbuster was pushed back to Christmas Day. So that is a massive film. Also, Christmas Day, is that not a graveyard slot? Who the hell goes know. to the cinema on Christmas Day? Do you know what? I think I went once. Or it might have been Boxing Day. I may have gone on Boxing Day. Uh, Bumblebee came out on Christmas Day, I think, or Boxing Day, last couple of years ago. I, mm, but I waited. <laughs> waited until January to see it. Why? Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe if you hate your family and you just want everyone... Why is the cinema open? But no, maybe that's a good thing. I'm just thinking, if you get into a point, if you're a, um, a husband or a wife and you hate your life so much and you hate your family and you hate your in-laws, I'm not talking about myself, and you and you have it around for Christmas and you're like, shut up, everyone go away and leave me alone and everyone's screaming and arguing and you know what? I can go to the cinema and including the journey time, that's like three hours out of the day and you can make everyone shut up and just watch a new movie. That's like the best thing ever. Yeah, but you're forcing... I'm, I'm a... I don't. I hate Christmas, but I oppose the people being forced to work. Right. So I understand the desire to go to the cinema because you might not even have a family or whatever. Uh, but the people working there. Oh yeah. Well, it sucks for them. That's my. That's why I would never go to the pub. Yeah. Well. Never, I've, especially for a Christmas meal. I've done my time. Um, but obviously, I worked in a pub. But the, the advantage of working in a pub is you get fed and you get given lots of alcohol to get you through the shift. I, don't I, imagine, I guess, yeah. I don't imagine you, you could do that in Cineworld. Well, could you? Uh, you could eat a lot of popcorn, and you could put a little bit of a uh, little bit of a bit of whiskey in the bottom of your <laughs> or in the bottom of your oh, Coca-Cola. some rum from my yeah. Coke. Um, but yeah, um, interesting. I um, yeah, I hope I really hope the cinemas can pull through from this because I dread and fear the day where there won't be cinemas and it's all released digitally. It'll suck, 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 suck. I've been a couple times. Uh, it's mostly been empty, mm. so I don't know how it's still, I don't know how it's surviving. I, 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 and of course, I'm got an unlimited child, so I haven't even paid for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. 
So, biopics. Madonna. Madonna is directing her own biopic. Oh, that's... Mm-hmm. We've, okay. talk, we've talked about biopics in the past. Um, I had a lot of praise for Bohemian Rhapsody. I, uh, I don't know if you've seen Rocket Man yet. I haven't seen it. Um, Couldn't care less. So, like, when they haven't died yet and the, the artist is involved, it kind of feels like a vanity project I to me. Feel, yeah, no, exactly. I feel like you shouldn't be able to make your own biopic. Yeah. There's no, like, criticism of you. There's no... You tell it on. You tell your story on your own terms. You polish all the bad bits out. Even Rocket Man had the bad stuff in, didn't it? Yes, it did. Apparently, yeah. Um, is, is she just gonna like airbrush then, Guy Ritchie but this out? This is exactly like Queen even got involved with the making of Bohemian Rhapsody and said like um, we don't want uh, Freddie's really bad bits to be shown. That's why it was um, one of the reasons why yeah. it wasn't an R-rated movie. If you sh- if you show the other stuff that Freddie got up to, which wasn't bad, it was just really quite naughty if you can't um, make your own wikipedia page why should you be able to make your own bloody film yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly um she said i want to convey the incredible journey that life has taken me on oh, as an artist up. a musician a dancer a human being <sighs> trying to make her way in this world shut up the focus of this film will always be music music has kept me going and art has kept me alive there are so many untold and inspiring stories and who better to tell it than me it's essential to share the roller coaster ride of my life with my voice and vision. Yeah. That sounds like something out of South Park. Right? That is exactly that. We need reality to come in. Yeah. Wow, I like it. I'm sure Madonna has one of the most interesting stories ever. Like I I I'd love to see a biopic biopic by her, but I kinda wanted to die first. <laughs> Like, I, I just want someone else to. I don't, be... want, I don't want her to die. Like you know, props to Madonna, banger after banger. But I would rather that you died and then the film came out. Uh, Guy Ritchie should do it. <laughs> As the ex-husband, he's got the best voice to talk about all of that. I was busy filming Lost Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, and Madonna was just flinging frankfurters at me. Hello, I'm Madonna. <laughs> yeah, you got to contact Russian about this virgin song. I'm the Russian. I call it, they call me the Russian ironically. I'm the Russian. Uh, I've got nothing humorous to add to that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I was going with it. My head's run out already. Um, here's some good news. The Super Mario Brothers animated movie has been confirmed for 2022. This is from MovieWeb. Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto is a... Was that racist? Oh, no. Um, no. Is a pretty... Breeze passing. <laughs> is a producer on the highly anticipated project. In addition to the new Mario news, Nintendo has also revealed plans to extend their visual content over the next few years, which is giving fans hope for a project involving The Legend of Zelda. So that's... Yeah, oh, God, that's a nightmare. Which one? Uh, There's hundreds of Legend of Zelda. I would have to say the original, or just jump straight to Ocarina of Time. Wow, well, yes. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if... I wonder how they're going to do it. Because um, Luigi's... Arguably the better character. So it's going to be... So Princess is going to get... Uh, Peach is going to get kidnapped. Uh, obviously in the naughty Bowser. They're going to be all chilling in Princess Peach's castle. Um, I assume Mario will team up with Luigi, Toad and Yoshi as a team. I feel like that. Or he'll meet Yoshi along the way. Yeah. So do you reckon they'll skip over the fact he's an Italian plumber from New York? Oh, I'm afraid so, mate. I'm afraid so. Well, that's the best bit. I know, I know. And Yoshi won't be a Velociraptor this time. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Dark and gritty reboot. Yeah. Uh, that'd be interesting if he gets sucked into a sewer pipe. Bill, bill, bill. Yeah. And uh, the peach has been stolen. Wow, we're bloody firing on all cylinders <laughs> today, aren't we? <laughs> well, you start, you start with Mario. Yeah. Right. He's a plumber in New York. Yeah. And the bloody monkeys got free oh not donkey kong which apparently in the original blurb uh is mario's monkey mario's gorilla is how it describes it it's his pet oh really yeah why has he got a ginormous gorilla why indeed it's some sort of russian oligarch do you know what his name was in the original his name was jump man jump man yes yes so there's a man called jump man he loves jumping and he's got an ape i would not trust this man well so an ape's loose he has to go stop it Another fun fact, that wasn't Peach that um, Donkey Kong stole originally, it was Pauline. Pauline, yes. The Pauline Fowler. 
I'll be taken from Albert Square by John. This is, it. This is the content. I'll be taken. I'll be. Oh, no, no, no. Phil! Ian! Any butcher yeah. slash Mitchell slash Fowler. Preferably Fowlers, because I'm a Fowler. Please! I'm Phil Jumpman. Oh, Phil you Toilet. <laughs> hey? I'm your brother, Grant Jumpman, who's also an ape called Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yes! This uh, is perfect. Take, I've taken Pauline Fowler to the top of the Empire State Building. I'm being attacked by planes. It's alright, Grant. I'll sort it out. Oh, there's a barrel! Oh, oh, you get away. I'm gonna throw barrels at you all day. No, no, no. You're a rubbish brother. I, I follow. I've got just found a hammer. Why did you. <laughs> I got a hammer. Why did you. You flipping toilet. Why did you bang that cow showering behind my back, you bastard? Do, do, do. Eh? Hey, 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 hey. Oh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> That's so concludes Fortnite Schmorlite. Rob needs a little nap. Next game reviews. Spiritfarer. You'd be forgiven for thinking you had stumbled across the most boring and pretentious game of 2020 after playing half hour of Spiritfarer. Anime art style, little girl protagonist with a pet cat that follows you around, companions turn into animals that can talk, no voice acting, all written dialogue. Ugh, I was dreading playing this game for more than an hour, let alone the supposed 20 hours it would take to complete. Then after a little longer, I started to get to grips with the storyline. You play the titular Spiritfarer, the guardian of the River Styx, transporting lost souls, assisting them in their final wishes in an effort to help them pass over. Along the way you meet new characters, pick up new companions and gather resources to improve the immunities on your ship. By improving the different parts of the ship and adding new features, you will improve the morale of your guests. You can also improve their morale by feeding them and hugging them. The more I describe this game, the more vomit-worthy it sounds. But the truth is, the team at Thunder Lotus Games have found that happy medium between story and gameplay. This isn't a punishing game in any way, shape or form, but it does throw a number of challenges at you along the way that are unique and intriguing, such as to get enough wood to build a certain structure, you have to put the wood through the sawmill, and you have to control the saw blade yourself, cutting along a set line that moves around the log. Relatively easy, but the more you keep to the line, the more wood you could get out of it. There are lots of little challenges like this that help you to feel engaged with the game, like you are actually having an impact on the world, and on the people you are ferrying across the sticks. And it is the people, your guests, the lost spirits, they are the ones that really bring the story to life. At first they seem annoying and simple, but as you get to know them, their backstory and their characters develop to the point where, when you eventually do say goodbye to them and help them to move on, it often throws emotional gut punches that take your breath away, and it is with those moments that the game really sticks with you. It's easy to pick up and play this game as well, it keeps you coming back for more and more until you've completed those storylines of all those side characters, and no matter how many times you repeat the same action, watering plants, playing guitar to the root veg, pulling along the loom to the right moment, fishing off the back of the ship, or collecting lightning in a bottle from a thunderstorm. These are all activities that you repeat again and again, but at no point do you grow tired of them. I can't get over just how much this game has won me over. My initial repulsion grew to fondness, and I hate this game for doing that. How dare you prove the critics right, Thunder Lotus, how dare you? Do you think there's anything wrong with your mind, really? Not a thing, Doc. Uh, excuse me, miss. Do you think it might be possible to turn that music down so maybe a couple of the boys could talk? Your hand is staining my window. God almighty, she's got you guys coming or going. A little change never hurt, huh? A little variety. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> Come on, you're not gonna say that now. You're not gonna say that now. You're gonna pull that hand out now when the vote the chief just voted it was 10 to 9. Now I want that television set turned on right now! I don't think he's overly psychotic. No, I want something to... I think he's dangerous. 
One, Adam. One. 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 I thought I was going to go with Matrix, but the thought of watching Matrix annoyed me. So I thought, what else? And one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So one. I chose one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Very good. Good bloody choice. Yeah. We've had a lot of good big classic films recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one, like I said earlier, it's always in like the top 50 lists. I think this is genuinely one of the greatest uh, movies ever made. Um, so it's... Uh, a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah. Won every award when it came out. 1975, best actor, best director, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. Literally, it, it smashed it. And it was one of only three films to win the old, uh, well, I wouldn't say win, but it won like five... The best five Oscars. Like, so, uh, Silence of Lambs got it as well. What is it? Best director, best actor, best uh, actress, cinematography. Not cinematography. Best picture, actor in the lead role, actress in the lead role, director and screenplay. There They're the five yeah. major. That was apparently the second film to ever do that. Yeah, mental. Yeah. It's very, 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 very good. It's a film that I haven't seen in a long time. It's one of those films, I think, that gets shelved a little bit. Even though it's brilliant. No one talks about it. No, they don't. They don't. But it's the most the most referenced and parodied film, I would say. I'm thinking of The Simpsons, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's got a lot. Spaced. Spaced does it really well. Spaced, yeah. I just watched that. It does it brilliantly. Um, it's fantastic. And um, I, f- I can't remember the last time I enjoyed rewatching a film so much as this. Like I was, I was. On the edge of my seat, I, my, my entire focus was on it the entire way through. Well, uh, it's telling that we were going to watch in two halves, just because, as mentioned, we've had lots of work recently. Uh, we're going to watch in two halves, and nope, no, not, not even a pause for a break. No, no, no. Just we're watch, watch it, it straight through. Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, it's, it's so good. Um, so it's directed by Milos Foreman. What else has he done? Pe- Other People vs. Larry Flint. I uh, haven't seen it. Amadeus. Uh, yeah, so, so not, not, a, not a huge back catalogue. Uh, watching Jack Nicholson's reactions is one of the best things. I would happily watch, I wonder if this has been done, a supercut of all Jack Nicholson reacting to things. Yeah. With his eyebrows and his going up and wobbly wobbly. I mean, the, the scene where, um, I can't remember the name, but the, the guy's asking for his cigarettes and you just see him getting more and more frustrated. Yeah. And... Sit down, will you, Cheswick? I want you to know something right here and now, Miss Ratchet. I ain't no little kid. You sit down. I ain't no little kid. Well, you're going to have cigarettes kept for me like cookies and I want something done. Ain't that right? That's right. Now, will you sit down? No, I won't. I won't. I want something done. Kind of starting to vent. Oh, did want... you see the full range? Because early on, he loves this. When the things go weird, he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's loving it. And then, yeah, in that scene, he's just he is as annoyed as like the uh, the nurses are. Totally, totally, totally. Um, so what do we have in the film? Uh, what's it about? So we've got Randall. We've got Randall Murphy. McMurphy. Yeah, Randall McMurphy. Um, yes. Yeah, so Randall McMurphy. He is a small time criminal. He's done a bit of dodgy dealings bit of a mm, sticky subject about a statutory rape as well yeah so obviously the 70s so maybe they'd be a bit less judgmental so from modernized you, like it works really well i think because you're kind of told these things about him he's had four four assault charges um and he's got a statutory rape thing with a 15 year old girl and so your first instinct is to dislike him and to be kind of a bit disgusted by him mm. Which completely changes as the film goes on, um, I think. It's definitely of its time. Yeah. Thinking of what we've talked about already on the show, it's definitely of its time where that kind of subject was... It wasn't a showstopper. No. We'll put it that way. So yeah, Randall, uh, he's been working at a prison farm and he to find an easier life, he's, he's pleaded insanity. Um, they're taking him into a hospital to assess his mental... Uh, ability and see if there's anything wrong with him um so he arrives at the hospital and very quickly he is overjoyed that he's here yeah the handcuffs get removed he kisses the guard yep he sends his happiness to the heavens (laughs) um he's delighted and we quickly become aware of the fact that he's kind of faking it to uh to get out of prison let's just be frank for a minute uh, randall if you would tell me 
Do you think there's anything wrong with your mind, really? Not a thing, Doc. I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science. Well, you're going to be here for a period for us to evaluate you. We're going to study you. Mm -hmm. We'll make our determinations as to what uh, we're going to do right. and give you the necessary treatment. Uh, and, Doc, let me just tell you this. I'm here to cooperate with you 100%. 100%. He's not aware at this point that his release is based on what they want to do with him. Um, yep. And he hasn't yet met her. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so coming into this environment, Randall quickly makes friends with some of the more uh, lucid patients in the hospital, in the ward. Hmm. So we've got... Let's list them off. We've got Cheswick Martini, played by Danny DeVito. Didn't realise that till halfway through. Blew me away. Uh, we've got uh, Christopher Lloyd as Max. Uh, Vincent Chevelli as Bruce Fredrickson. He's the sort of gaunt-faced man. Mm. Um, lots of lots of faces you would have seen, especially in sort of the 90s, I think. And we're just seeing now, like, a lot of them came from a theatrical environment. They were kind of pulled from the way of the theatre. Yes. Da Danny DeVito's character... Uh, he played him in the theater, uh, in the theatre version of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes, um, indeed. And we've obviously got uh, Brad Dourif. We now know it's actually called Dourif. Yeah, confirmed. Uh, playing Billy. Um, he won supporting actor and all sorts of stuff for this. Amazing uh, role of someone who looks so different to what I have in my head when I think of him. Oh, this couldn't be more different. Couldn't be more different. It's insane. And of course, we've got Will Sampson as the chief. A deaf, dumb Native American. So, um, so Jack comes in, Randall comes in, and um, his first kind of notion is um, him getting a feel of the other patients and the other patients getting a feel of him. And I think right from the off, they're in awe of Randall. They kind of see him as um, this cool... He's like the cool popular kid in school who knows what's up. He's kind of down with the kids. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's funny you say that there is a schoolyard feel to it. Yeah. It's the new kid coming into the to the classroom he's a bit naughty no one really knows what he's about and everyone's kind of everyone's feeling their way around him as well i know uh so harding played by william redfield he's particularly a bit suspicious of him who's he's a very intelligent and it's hinted at that he's a he's a homosexual yeah and sort of at odds with himself about that um but he's very quick to dismiss him at first but then very quickly builds up a rapport i think he respects He's the most intelligent one. He knows what to say, what to do, and he spends most of his time reading newspapers. And I think having McMurphy um, suddenly arrive, who can talk back, yeah, can join in, and doesn't try his patience, it does build these relationships within within the group. Yes, yeah. He's gaining respect from him for his intelligence. He's uh, gaining respect from Christopher Lloyd's character for his defiance and his naughtiness. Yes, uh, yes actually, that's a good point. So all of the... Side characters, all the patients, all have their own sort of thing they are drawn to. Yeah. And they're all drawn to different aspects of McMurphy's character. Yeah, like for example, uh, Danny DeVito, he's, uh, he can't resist um, Randall's playing cards. He mm. can't resist them. Don't the naughty little playing cards he's got. To the extent that he's kind of moving them around and Danny DeVito's eyes are kind of yeah, 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 and yeah. stuff like that, which is um, really, really nice. Um there's, there's, they have a, a meeting which he's involved with with Nurse Ratchet where he doesn't speak up and he kind of just observes. Mm -hmm. And this is where we see uh, with Cheswick, um, Max, Christopher Lloyd's character is kind of uh, egging him on with the whole you think I'm gay, don't you kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I don't know, does Nurse Ratchet, Nurse Ratchet particularly go after them there? I think he's going after Billy. She's going after Billy a bit. Well, or... yes, let's talk about Nurse Ratchet. So... Yeah, she needs a better announcement than yeah. just blurting her out like that. Nurse Ratchet! Played by Louise Fletcher. Nurse Ratchet is the the embodiment of oppression. She's the maternal, terrifying, stroppy creature that runs the ward. One of the most iconic villains in movie history. Absolutely. She... And it's funny, actually, thinking about it, because she's quite normal. <laughs> she's She's officious and she's she's horrible but she doesn't actually do anything too bad i don't think well 
I read um, earlier on that Louise Fletcher, she kind of read into her character she genuinely wanted to help her patients. Do mm. you do you read that in her? In I do. Uh, but I see I see the perspective of but I know what's best. Yeah. That's the and that's the thing and and Summer Murphy's resisting that because he he thinks what might be best is like letting them live. Yeah. Letting them watch the game, letting them drink alcohol, let them go outside. Um, whereas, no, she wants structure, she wants rigidity. And she also, as he even says in the film, plays with a loaded deck. So she sort of uses her control to make it go her way. It's funny you just did the school comparison because she is like an old-fashioned school teacher who would like to still oh, use the cane but can't. Without a doubt. The can in this. Um, Definitely reminded me of teachers I I knew. Yeah, especially that stern look she gives. Mm. Um, she she has that, although she does let it slip a couple times. But she has the I'm very disappointed. Yeah. Face. Mr. McMurphy. Yeah, I've been uh, thinking about what you said about uh, <clears throat> you know getting things off your chest, and uh, uh, <clears throat> well, there's a couple of things that I I'd like to get off my chest. Well, that's very good, Mr. McMurphy. Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> Today, as you may or may not know, it doesn't matter, is the opening of the World Series. What I'd like to suggest is that we change the work detail tonight so that we can watch the ball game. Well, Mr. McMurphy, what you're asking is that we change a very carefully worked out schedule. A little change never hurt, huh? A little variety? Well, it's not necessarily true, Mr. McMurphy. You know, some men on the ward take a long, long time to get used to the schedule. Change it now and they might find it very disturbing. Her method, as we see quite often, is um, she would like them to confront their uh, anxieties and the negative things in their life head-on and she will draw it out by attacking Mm. those weaknesses. That's how she thinks uh, her treatment should go in order to cure these guys or make them better. Um, every single time she does it, it makes them fidget, it makes them scared, it makes them uneasy and uncomfortable. Whereas Randall comes in and his approach is, like you said, the very much the opposite. He wants them to feel alive. He wants them to live. Well, you could say you could easily say that Murphy's uh, core character is freedom. And it's butting heads with the oppression of Nurse Ratched. Yes, um, and it's his influence that causes chaos in the in the group. All the patients start sort of demanding, actually, where are my cigarettes? Yeah. Uh, why uh, Why is the dorm locked in the daytime? Mm. And they start questioning these things that they were just used to before. Yeah, it's a kind of uh, religious cult environment in the in the hospital, and that they know what's best. I watched the film and they, they, they pointed out that one of the guys, one of the characters, um, receives his medication by it being placed on his tongue, like communion. Mm. Like oh, got, God, yeah. Right, well, I didn't even think that at the time, but it did stand out. Yeah. So there's this kind of almost uh, worship of the of the people in in charge, and Murphy just doesn't have that. Yeah. Even at one point just walks into, a, into the nurse's office. And they're like, ah, get out of here! Um... <laughs> Must talk about uh, Turkle, played by Scatman Crovers. Oh, yeah, it's popping up. Oh, so he's the Night Watchman, um, who is uh, corruptible. Who is so <laughs> fired. Who is so fired. It's unbelievable how fired he is. So, M- Murphy, part of his thing is he's he's resisting and he wants to get out. And he decides to break out by having a party. And to get rid of the threat of the Night Watchman, just says... Jump booze and women. Mm. And so, yeah, he just said yes. So, Murphy gets his friends around, Candy and Rose. They come in with booze and he just lets them party until he goes a bit He's, wobbly. He becomes so lovable from, like, and so admirable from, like, if you put yourself in the perspective of these people and especially the patients, he, uh, everything he does, he brings joy to their lives and especially the boat trip. I mean, um, it's hard when it's good when it's when the times are happy in the film it's impossible not to watch it with a massive smile on your face and kind yeah. of almost feel like you're like with the patience as this guy leads you out on this silly boat quest hands you fishing rods and then he goes off to 
bang his girlfriend <laughs> whilst yeah. one of the people like loses control of the boat it starts going around in circles that scene is so good and so chaotic but it's all they're all having so much fun yeah it's definitely a it's got a kind of an emotional whiplash to it because there's some very dark hard to watch bits yeah um we haven't really mentioned the uh the chief now the chief is a he's ignored he's everyone believes him to be deaf and dumb and he's they just kind of leave him to it but the, one of the first things Murphy does is speak to him and try mm. to, you know, signal to him and try and get his attention. Tries to teach him basketball. He engages with him. Absolutely. And and people, like, one of the guards is like, why? What are you doing? It's a waste of time. He can't hear you. Like, no harm. So, and all this stuff. And starts having fun and immediately wins over this, this guy, this chief. Mm. He, they're besotted. They become partners in crime. I would love to see... Uh, a buddy cop film about a criminal and a Native American guy. I just don't, well, just the story of them escaping to Canada. Yeah, just start another film off with those two escaping, and it'll be the best thing. It'll be the best comedy ever. Um, yeah, really, really well done. That um, now, yeah, and that sort of leads on to the the the, the grimness factor. The ending is a horrifically sore bitter taste i think um to like you have to talk about uh billy's experience so he so randall hands billy the night of his life the best thing that's ever happened to him and um when he comes out and he stands up to nurse ratchet ratchet appears he sees the party has been trashed and he's he stands up to her he says um Nah, like, I don't think it's fair what you're doing or whatever. And uh, he, his stutter starts to disappear yeah, as he stands yeah, up yeah, for himself yeah. more and more. He gets more elated. He's more powerful. I think, you know, he's considering escaping with Randall. And then for a brief glimpse, you see that he's been cured by Randall. His, his mental anxieties and his weaknesses are cured. And then Nurse Ratchet sees this as a bad thing mm-hmm. and a challenge to her methods... So she snatches that away instantly and you see her, him being shattered to the point of something absolutely yeah. catastrophic and happening. all of the other characters just watch in shock. You know, Billy, what worries me is how your mother's going to take this. Um, um, well, you, you, you don't, don't have to t- 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 tell her, Miss Ratchet. I don't have to tell her. Your mother and I are old friends, you know that. Um, please n- 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 don't t- t- tell my mother. M- don't you think m- you should mother. have thought of that before you took that woman in that room? Yeah, and that's one of the most savage. And of course, the, rea- the ending is a reaction to that. The... Uh, I mean, everyone knows the strangulation scene. I'll just refer to it as the strangulation scene, but that is the most visceral. And yeah, I don't think you could ever pick another film where you feel like you're in the place of the actor as much. Like you're kind of doing it with him. It's such a outbreak of this is what you deserve. Yeah, it's a very powerful scene. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to dwell on the story more than that because it's one you just have to watch to experience as we say it's kind of an emotional journey you've got ups and downs the joy laughing out loud and the misery just like oh yeah um as a statement of sort of freedom versus authority is interesting but also there's a very dark look at the kind of medical practices in the united states as well Mm. Electro, what's the name? Electro shock therapy. Yeah. Mm. Oh my god, that looks horrific. Although I understand that it's not as bad as it's made out to be. Did you ever listen? Oh well, you did listen to um, Law, the podcast, didn't yeah. you? I got quite a way into it, and there was one he talked about where there was a bloke who went around in I think the early fifties. I could be mistaken. Oh yeah, he pioneered the lobotomy. And uh, he would go from uh, mental institution to mental institution and he would say, can I diagnose some of your patients? See some of them maybe acting up. Mm. And his solution would be, oh, well, I can lobotomize them and then they'll be fine after that. And obviously we see what a lobotomy does to someone in this. And uh, it's absolutely horrendous. I know it would be for reasons like 
my wife spoke back to me. Yeah. Like, it'd be petty. It wouldn't be medical problems, you know? And, yeah. um, he's, you know, there would be botched lobotomies because it was a chisel through the, the eye. Mm-hmm. The, um, oh, horrible, horrible, horrible. Oh, there's a whole, whole horrific history to how um, people like, you know, mentally challenged people were treated. And um, There was another law episode where they delved into the uh invention of the asylum as well and all that kind of stuff like originally it was a really good positive but it just got more and more crowded and these rules and regulations just slowly got dropped and Mm. forgotten and that's where the kind of arkham asylum idea of the spooky haunted scary torture palace comes from and uh it's it's kind of a fascinating but dark subject to, to research i think and yeah. uh, this is a good place to start, I think. Following that, you want to head open over to, uh, I think, Time Splitters free. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yep. Um, for there's an asylum level, isn't there? Well, there's certainly one. There's a zombie episode. They behead the undead, isn't there? Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know why I brought up. There's I no, just wanted to talk about. Yeah, that, I mean, Time Splitters is pretty good. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a nice there way was, to round off a serious topic. There was a about, level about electro shock therapy. There was a level called the Asylum. And I remember playing Virus on it, where the virus carries around. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just to put that in there. So, yes. One Flew Over the Cookie's Nest. Uh, fascinating film about control versus rebellion and freedom. And also, it's got Danny DeVito in it. He's got Danny DeVito. And Christopher Lloyd with his face. And Jack Nicholson. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it going uh, in the Hall of Fame? Of course right? it is. Of course it is. Without a shadow of a doubt. It's going in every Hall of Fame. Going in every Hall of Fame. It's a freaking amazing film. Excellent. Right. So, next time, we start on our horror movies. Oh, my God. What do we do? Do we pick a word and then just make that word associated with horror? Or do we just choose a random? I think we deliberately choose the next film. I think we leave it for now and we choose a good one. Okay. Adam's Film Reviews. The Babysitter, Killer Queen, 2020. Growing up is worse than a near-death experience. I can confidently tell you that because two years ago, my babysitter and her friends tried to kill me. The worst part is nobody believes me. And now everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I miss her. You're a weird little dude with a crush on a murderous, fictitious babysitter. We just gotta get you laid. That's your advice? That's what the f*** just came out of my mouth, ain't it? Cole, you're my best friend. You're not crazy. It's this place. We're all going to the lake this weekend. Just come with me. I already took my dad's car. It's just you and me. We're back. Way back in the before times, Netflix released The Babysitter. Written by Brian Duffield and directed by Mick G, The Babysitter told the story of a young teenage boy, Cole, played by Judda Lewis, being left at home with the stunningly beautiful and awesome babysitter B, played by the stunningly beautiful and awesome Samara Weaving. It homaged both 80s and 90s horror, with the evening taking a dark satanic twist when... Well, I'd best not spoil it. It was fun, it was gory, and yet, it felt a little bit like it was holding back. Enter the sequel, now both written and directed by McGee, the babysitter Killer Queen shrugs off the shackles of the previous film, and goes balls to the wall in comedy and over-the-top gore. And it's wonderful. Two years have passed since the events of the first film, and Cole still played by Judda Lewis, is now a junior in high school. Haunted by the events of his babysitter, Cole also has to put up with being completely stunned by his community, who just believe he went nuts one night. With no evidence of the multiple deaths that took place that evening, he is simply labelled a psycho and pumped with drugs to keep him normal. Even the school counsellor just thinks he needs to get laid. And he's not the only one. Cole's long-time crush, the cute girl next door Melanie, played by Emily Allen Lind, has a plan to shake the cobwebs off Cole. A lake party with her new boyfriend and his obnoxious friends, complete with booze, music and even a private boat borrowed from someone's uncle. 
Initially, Tol refuses, but when he learns of his parents' plan to send him to a psychiatric school, Tol takes the red pill and escapes with Melanie to the lake. But, as those who would have seen the trailer will testify, what's waiting for the teens at the lake goes way deeper than your average cans of cheap beer and making out in the cupboard. In no time at all, Toll is running for his life as his nightmares come back to life and the satanic cultists emerge again to take their revenge and claim Toll's innocent blood for their dastardly deeds. The question is, what role will the weird, cool yet nerdy new girl Phoebe, played by Jenna Ortiger, play in Toll's fate? And when did they start making surfboards so sharp? Despite some surprisingly negative reviews across the board, I absolutely love the babysitter killer queen. The lean towards comedy almost comes as a surprise, with Mick G's directing taking a very drastic shift from his older films. It almost feels like Mick G has been binging Edgar Wright's back catalogue, with banging tunes like Focus by Hocus Pocus meshing with huge slamming titles and video game sequences that fill the screen. Even the smaller moments, like Bella Fawn's Allison falling ungracefully through a window on her dramatic reappearance, make me laugh out loud. Mick G has said that the film itself is based on the story of Faust, with the humour of a Mel Brooks film. I can see it, and I admire it. That's not to say the film doesn't have its flaws. I don't think there's much you won't have seen already in this, and it's a shame, I think, for a sequel to over-expand on characters and their backstories, as well as forcing itself into the first film's shadow. Let's also not dwell on the fact that Cole and his friends are only supposed to be age 14 during the film, and yet have a shared pop culture knowledge that would make the cast of The Big Bang Theory flush. But whatevs. The Babysister Killer Queen is an incredibly fun watch, and it's genuinely funny. I can't give it much more praise than that. Check it out on Netflix, and make sure you've seen the first one too. You're my killer of the night. I get killed first. That's some post-Jordan Peele era horror movie progress. funny we're talking about one flew over the cookie's nest. It is funny because they're doing stuff. They are doing stuff. Do you know, this weekend, they've just brought out uh, Ratchet. 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 The prequel series, the one flew over the cookie's nest, following the nurse. Who, who asked for that? Did anyone ask for that, anyone? Does anyone here ask for that? Why? Why? What is the story? So, I... People uh, seem to be into bad guy origin stories because freaking the author of uh, bloody Katniss Aberdeen saga. Oh, yeah. She's doing, um, uh, she's writing or has written a uh, prequel about the bad guy, the Donald Sutherland's character. And like, but he's a douchebag. I don't want to hear about him. Um, Yeah. Well, the Nurse Ratched thing is she's. She's a representative of the oppressive, like, system. Yeah. So why do we care what she did before? Yeah, 100%. I agree. I've always been of the school of learning where stories are about the most interesting day of this character's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her most interesting thing should be, and should have been, that McMurphy tried to strangle her. After she was a naughty lady. I I mean, having watched the trailer, um, it looks like they've done a really good job of it, given that, like, it looks quite interesting, and it looks... I'm not going to watch it. Um, just to, oh, it looks... It's a very good trailer. It looks great. It looks very intriguing. Um, so she's got an origin story where she's working in... The, she's in the war as, like, a nurse, and she's been... She's not been recognised. And then she, her methods become crueler and more stern, and she it sort of becomes more about power. But yeah, but she's not that bad. That's my main thing. She's just doing what all nurses did then. Yeah, she's just the matron of the ward. But then at the end, obviously, they kind of show her about to perform a lobotomy into us, the viewer, because we're the POV shot of us kind of looking at her. I, yeah, I just find it strange when it, she's not the exception to that. She's not the evil genius who invented lobotomy. I think um, they're, we're in this particular case, I think they're appealing to the sexiness of Nurse Ratchet, which sounds mm. silly, but American Horror Story kind of goes into the sec- the sexuality of sin. They're, everything about it is kind of like, um, 
this is naughty, look how bad they are, look how evil they are, but also look how kind of erotic it is in a weird way. And they've taken all of the horrible things, I guess, about Nurse Ratchet and kind of plucked it into some sort of... Yeah. It's like a... It's like a music video summary of her life. Like, it's all artistically done and it's Yeah, all... which is all... Which is so American Horror Story. Where One, Foot, one Flew Over the Cookies Nest, to me, felt like a documentary. Yeah. It felt fly on the wall. Oh, you said, you said if they... Uh, kind of grained the the footage a bit and kind of muffled the sound. If the sound was a bit rubbish, it would yeah. have felt like a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've made this the most glossy... I don't know, I'm not into it. Yeah, they've made it into the bizarro ballroom of, yeah. you know, whatever's going on. Um, Equally baffling is the Robocop prequel. Yeah. Which presumably is just going to be called Cop. <laughs> because there's no Robocop in it. What?! Yeah. Robocop is a parody of 80s America and the sort of commercialism and all that good stuff. So presumably a prequel is just going to be now. It's yeah. just going to be... So it's all gone to the dogs, but there's police kind of losing the battle. And it's going to be, you know, Detroit is bad. Yeah. What is the point? There's no point, there's no point. Um... And, I, I, and I'm saying that as someone who puts Robocop in their top films of all time. Yeah. Grew up on that thing, and I what? <laughs> I don't get it. There was an article I was reading earlier, again, like we all know it, saying that the original content is is again diminishing even more. So at a faster pace, it's all about pre-existing. It's all about sequels. It's all about prequels. Um, and doing stuff like this, yeah, it's kind of just reinforcing that you can sell it, can't you? Well, judging by the reaction on Twitter, everyone's like, "What? Why?" Mm. It's like all these. The other thing as well that's happening at the moment is all the cartoon, adult cartoons that are coming out. Oh, mate. Netflix, ne- like, this is another thing with Netflix. Netflix seems to have a new cartoon every freaking month. Yeah. They had the, the, I got into it for a while, but then I dropped off. The weird thing where there's a space podcaster who goes into oh, yeah. other planets. I can't remember what it's uh, called. Yeah, whatever that was. Um, well, it all came out very similar times. So Paradise PD was yeah. a ripoff of Archer, as far as I could tell. Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Um, the space guy, the 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 space dude, he looks like Futurama, but he's 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 he's, he's the love of a girl. He's got a gun. oh 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 yeah, um, space man. I yeah, don't know. space sadness. Yeah, yeah, that's probably Futurama then, meets Rick and Morty, but all the depressing bits. And uh, they have Bill Burr's uh, shouty uh, dad in the nineteen seventies one. Yep. So, yeah, Netflix has churned them out. And then there's also, there's the other Rick and Morty thing. Right. Where it's aliens. It's uh, further up from the sun, but you're following, like, actual grey aliens. Right. Um, but now they've they've announced X-Files. Yeah. As a cartoon. What? I, originally I was on your side with this, man, but having just read the premise, I'm kind of sold. Oh, come on now. This is... The wacky adventures of the B cast of the X Files, which I thought the X Files were the B cast, and it was just mad old Fox Mulder and his little room. It depends if they make it really wacky, <sighs> it's going to really annoy me. Um, I, I guess there's no other option to take because, like, if the monsters and the creatures in the silly episodes of the X Files are going to be considered sensible in this world, what the hell? Are they going to be finding? Mm. What is so stupid that Mulder and Scully aren't going to touch it? Well, it's similar to Lower Decks, which has just been just come out, the Star Trek cartoon, which originally really angered all the fans. But actually, I think people are warming to it because it's it treats the the Star Trek universe really like tenderly, like right. they're fans and they refer to the law and stuff. X Files wouldn't have that because mm. it's not a world, a universe built. No, around it, it's it'd just be ooh, no. we've we've found a brain made of ham. But that <laughs> that is the X Files, but just it's less already, silly. It's yeah. already done. Do you remember the the Jackass episode of the X Files? No, a guy falls off his skateboard while doing a Jackass stunt, and his head caves in because it was eaten by wasps. No, I don't remember that at <laughs> yeah, all. Because yeah. the bees were controlled by a kid. Oh wow! Yeah, that's. Buffy stuff. That's yeah. not like they've already done the silly. Um, I don't know. It's weird. 
I'm not. It, it just needs to stop. Yeah. yeah. Harley Quinn. You've seen the Harley Quinn cartoon, haven't you? I quite liked it. Lots of people do. I haven't actually seen it. But again, that's just parodying the world. So oh, everyone's yeah. just... What's going on in your social media, Harley? Uh, uh, you've got the lowest something rating. Everything's yeah. t- uh, we've entered this weird meta world where everyone's just taking the piss out of themselves. Themselves. Mm. That's the key thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I see, yeah. If I you're satiring something or parodying something, you either love it or you hate it. It's just people wide-eyed yelling at you. You gotta be in on the joke. Yeah, you gotta be in on the joke as well. And it's uh, maddening. Yeah. Because yeah, if you're gonna satire something, you're attacking it. Ah, mm. oh, you stupid show. And now everything's just doing it themselves, like the Madonna yeah. bit. They're just dancing along to their own tune, really. Would you watch a cartoon of Twin Peaks following the wacky adventures of the coffee shop diner place? If it was made by David Lynch. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Would you watch a cartoon uh, of... Oh, they did Trailer Park Boys already. Yeah. That was yeah, dumb. Yeah. Uh, would you watch a cartoon of Jackass? No. <laughs> What's the point in that? It's cartoons. They're taking the piss. <laughs> Woo! Would they have someone playing the ghost of Ryan Dunn? Oh, that's a bit... Like in dumb. Big Mouth, they had oh, someone yeah, being the bo- ghost of sad. Bohemian Rhapsody. Of, uh, very, uh, what about... I mean, a cartoon of Buffy. I could actually see that happening. No. Sister, no, you're done, Jipper. Exactly. Yeah, all right. They came to party. They came from outer space. But for these unhappy campers... Just put this thing on. Things are about to get slimy. If you go down to the woods today, you'd better keep an eye out for... Quaggers. They're mean, they're insane, and they're everywhere. And they've got an appetite for naughty campers. Starring Jody Bennett, Bailey Pillbeam, Isabel Albert, and Blake Aiden. Quaggers! They're everywhere. We are not going back in that tent. Watch it now at hollowdellmedia.vhx.tv And I think that might be a joke. Yeah, man. Let's just kill it off. Let's get out of of here. Get a gun to its head and walk it into the woods. I'm running on fumes here, man. I'm in dire straits. Yeah, and it's very warm again. It's very hot. Let's get the hell out of here. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you liked what you hear, do check us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com at www.patreon.com forward slash Media, And do check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Media as well. And if you see on our Instagram and our YouTube channel, you will see that we are now advertising next month. Mm. We have the first trailer up for 31 Days of Horror 2020. Yes, 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 yes. There's going to be more reveals and trailers coming soon, so do subscribe to us on YouTube and look out for our posts on Instagram. Yeah, uh, this is a good time to be following us because you're going to be soon getting stuff daily, 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 daily. Yes, you're hearing us exhausted now. Hear us in a week. Yeah, then ask. (laughs) Cool, all right then, guys. Speak to you in a fortnight and keep... Chewing the what's it?